When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Question mark around Jaden Rashada, Florida recruiting also trending down. Garrett Riley cashes in with the Clemson Tigers, and we've got our way too early top 25 for the 2023 season. Hello, everybody. Welcome inside the Three Technique, a college football podcast. At the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmys and the Joes, I'm Mitch Mason with Trey Reeves, Garrett Turney. Fellas, a lot going on. Just because we've reached the offseason does not mean that anything here slows down. College football is a 24-7-365 type of sport. And, uh, you know, we're going to cover some some rumors, some news, obviously our top 25s. What are you guys kind of looking forward to as we start the offseason? Man, it never sleeps, right? As, as Josh Pate would say, there is no offseason. That's for the casuals. We're not casuals around here. We're really excited to see just the rest of this stuff unfold. Look, with the transfer portal, with you know another signing day coming up, with players, coaches, all kinds of people constantly on the move, so much to look into, so much to consider. And it's really going to be fun, I think, to look back on this season, see what we were right about, see what we were really, really wrong about, and you know just kind of have some laughs at our exp- own expense, too. Yeah, for sure, laughs at our own expense. No, I mean, the 22 season just ended. It's not like it's you know, all over. We get to go back and reflect. We get to rank teams for next year. And then, you know, before too long, it'll be spring games and we can start speculating over why your spring game means that your team's going to win the natty and why your rival spring game means that they're going to go 0-12 and, and, you know, lose to everybody, even Kansas, which isn't so much of an insult anymore. Um, but yeah, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm really pumped to see, you know, what we can do through the off season. And I'm excited with all these storylines because, you know, we're just a few days out from the natty and already some pretty big bombshells dropping and some massive shifts uh, just in terms of people switching places and locations and uh, stuff like that. Yeah, a lot going on, and we are the hub to keep up with all of it. Uh, Follow us on our Instagram and our Twitter, at 3TechPod. You can also watch the show on YouTube. We're going to be producing some YouTube-exclusive content over there uh, during the offseason as well. The one programming note that I have, and after we talked about it, um, basically the regularly scheduled uploads this offseason will go to one episode a week, and you can get that on Monday morning. Um, now, that does not mean that there will only be one episode a week f- throughout the offseason. Uh, as I've referenced before, I'm kind of going out and building a network of experts, recruiting analysts, beat writers who we plan on interviewing, and those interviews will be kind of the supplemental episodes uh, throughout the week. So most weeks you should have two episodes to listen to and then content over on YouTube as well. Um, but with it is with it being the offseason and not having to preview and recap, uh, we just thought, you know what, let's go ahead and go to one regular upload a week, and then we'll let you know when more are coming out. So again, another reason to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. We're about to hit 100 followers on Instagram. I'd love to get to that benchmark. So if you would go over there and follow us, and then the YouTube channel would love uh, some new followers, new subscribers as well. But guys, let's get into it for tonight's episode. Jaden Rashada, he kind of took the college football world by storm yesterday as we're recording this. 
reportedly asking for release from his national letter of intent. Now his dad came out and said that's not true and then almost walked that back when he said, and I quote, we're working through some things with Florida, end quote. Um, now the rumor that I put out a call for cross-reference and still have not seen anything I believe anybody I trust saying this, but the rumor is that Rashada was promised $13 million by a Florida Gators collective, and reportedly they came up with less than a third of that up front. Um, whether any of this is true, whether none of that is true is up for debate, but guys, when there's so many rumors and so little fact being out there, you've got to think this only really casts some doubt on Billy Napier and kind of the consistency within the Florida program. Man, it's, yeah, I I have no idea how this saga is going to end up for Florida. Certainly doesn't make them look very good to the cat to fans in general to recruits to recruits parents to i don't know how you listen to a recruiting pitch if you're a 2024 kid especially from the nil collectives that are helping out florida and just think how how do you hear that with any confidence now that you see the star the prize player in this 2023 class holding out and i, I think it's funny it reminds me of like a, a nfl training camp holdout and i think this is our first mm-hmm. at least our first high profile one I think there were rumors that Jordan Addison was maybe reconsidering USC. If you guys remember that Um, the NIL was starting to fall through maybe for USC, but that didn't materialize, but this is our first high profile actual holdout from an NFL or sorry. It sounds like an NFL thing that we're talking about (laughs) an NCAA player. So I'm just fascinated by this. I don't really have a take. I don't really have a, you know, deep thought. I highly doubt that he's, been offered 13 million i highly highly doubt that but who knows and i'm just fascinated by it no no real take for me well and in today's day and age with nil i mean 13 million could just be a rumor and a fake made up number by you know some you know grocery store item like sliced bread but you know i i just kind of don't think it matters at this point we're just going to run with this narrative and then you know, a few years we're going to talk about, oh, remember that Florida quarterback who got like 15 million and we're just going to keep you know, kind of inflating the number because as time goes on, that's just what happens, right? The rumors get weirder and facts get less clear. Every so year it kind of almost happens. doesn't matter. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it just doesn't matter if it's true or not, because that's what people want to talk about nowadays. And this is going to kind of continue to, to flood the problem with what I think we're doing with NIL right now, which is these fake numbers may get thrown out there. But then for the guys underneath them, you know, in the class underneath them, you know, they're going to have to be thinking like, oh, well, if, you know, Rashada got 13 million, then I should be looking for 20 million because I'm the number one guy in my class. So why shouldn't, you know, Ohio State or Georgia or someone like that pay me this much to show up? And then it's just going to crush expectations, you know, crush reality. Or the worst thing is that some of these programs are actually going to find a way to keep up with that. And they're going to bankrupt themselves on, you know. 17 and 18 year old kids who haven't proven anything at the college level yet. I, I'm going to make, I don't know if it's a bold prediction. Maybe it's just a lukewarm prediction. Maybe nobody finds it spicy at all. I think these kind of rumors and these missteps, if indeed it is a misstep by the Gators collective, I think this will be the death of the NCAA. And here's what I mean by that. The NCAA declared open season when they were peer pressured into finally making name, image, and likeness a legal thing. Now that they've done that, without any oversight, without any guidelines, without any sort of enforcement to stop tampering, to stop you know, essentially illegal wagering on these players, and now that you potentially have the highest profile high schoolers in this game, the most talked about individuals in this sport, even more so than guys that just won a national championship for the University of Georgia, now that you have them in the middle of chaos, confusion, rumor, and eventually there will be lawsuits over this, the NCAA has gone past the point of no return. There's no way that they can credibly now put in place regulation, some sort of guidelines, a rule book with which situations like these are governed. And because of that, I think you're going to formally have the NCAA's head 
called for by the governing bodies of the sport. You're either going to move to a pod system where each conference has a governing body, or you're going to have to have some sort of new conglomerate made up of different aspects of these conferences. But the NCAA, as it stands, in my opinion, will cease to exist sooner rather than later. I mean, if you guys agree with me, would it shock you to see that the NCAA is replaced, overthrown, um, dissolved within the next three years? I mean, they've been a dead man walking for a little bit, right? They, they haven't had really any enforcement. You can go back to, you know, looking at some of the teams that get hit with a penalty or they discover something about this team and something they're doing wrong. And then they just, you know, slap on the wrist or, you know, don't do anything about it. I'm thinking maybe like an LSU where, you know, I don't even know if they've officially been sanctioned or if they, I don't even know if a slap on the wrist is descriptive of what LSU has gotten for that whole hospital situation. But I don't know. I just, I kind of think, you know, the NCAA, they, they haven't really had any power for a little while. They haven't really been able to do anything. And kind of like what you were saying, they got forced into it. So I honestly don't even think they cared to regulate it in the first place. I think they said, fine, go ahead, have your money. I don't care. Figure it out. And they were perfectly willing and, you know, perfectly fine to watch the whole thing go, you know, up in flames almost so they could go and say, yeah, I told you so. You know, because I think there's a lot more people nowadays that are saying, yeah, this was a mistake than there was, you know, whenever it all started off. Yeah. I mean, Mitch, correct me if I'm wrong. This would be, this Rashada situation is probably more boosters not delivering, right? You you work in this pretty much daily in your job. This is probably boosters or a company not delivering, right? Yes. Yes. The rumor, the rumor is. Now, <clears throat> that being said, you know, the requesting a release from his letter of intent, there are certain hardships certain qualifiers that the NCAA allows for an athlete to be released from a signed legal document without penalty. Um, There's decisions to be made at the university level and then potentially decisions to be made at the NCAA level. I think a, a lawsuit could happen if, one of those governing bodies doesn't grant that release, right? Okay. Doesn't decides to stick up for themselves. Um, I think that's when you you have the trouble. But yes, as it's reported, again, we are not confirming, denying any of these rumors, adding to the rumors at all. We're just telling you what what is out there and what we've done the best to make sense of. From what we can tell, the prevailing rumor is that the Florida Collective, whether I think it's the Gator Collective, I've forgotten, they have a couple but one of them reportedly didn't even get close to the amount of money that they paid, whether that's a booster, a company, et cetera. They have overpromised, underdelivered, and uh, Mr. and Mrs. Rashada are throwing a fit. <laughs> yeah, it, it's going to be fascinating to see if the NCAA rules that that's not a valid reason to get out of, you know, out of a national letter of intent. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fascinating because they, like you said, Mitch, they've largely just kind of thrown this to the wolves. Mm-hmm. And then for them all of a sudden to say, actually, we do want to govern. Actually, we do want to have a say in some of these NIL matters. Not all of them, but some of them. That's not going to fly with these big time programs that are trying to now balance player happiness, balance coach happiness, balance booster happiness, and having to work with all this. They're, they don't want to have the NCAA breathing down their necks either or just randomly poking their heads in when they feel like it's convenient, when it's not going to be um, a difficult battle for them. So yeah, will it be the end of the NCAA, at least being the governing body of major college football? I don't know. That, that's that been rumored for, it seems like 20 years now, that eventually mm-hmm. the biggest schools are going to break away. It wouldn't shock me if that happened at some point, but I don't know. The NCAA's weathered quite a few storms and somehow they still find themselves on top of major college football. So who knows? It's a fair point. I think this has potentially the legal firestorm that could surpass all previous uh, battles, but you know, we'll see. Like you said, the NCAA is kind of the the South Park meme, right? I, I didn't hear no bell. So who knows what happens if they continue to just list in the wind haplessly we'll we'll see uh garrett people have asked me what we thought about bobby petrino and about jim harbaugh's association with michigan maybe an nfl team hey is he going to denver that's not on our podcast feed where can folks go to find that 
Uh, they can head over towards our YouTube. They can look over at the YouTube channel and they'll find all sorts of stuff over there. Yeah, at 3TechPod on YouTube. Go check us out. Uh, Trey and I did a video on both of those topics. So if you'd like our thoughts, um, please head on over there. Leave us a comment on what you think. The other piece of news, though, that we are covering right here on your podcasting platform of choice is Garrett Riley going from TCU to Clemson. Now, TCU gets blown out in the national championship game. Of course, uh, you have 40 to 50 players leaving that roster, whether it's through the draft, whether it's to, uh, through graduation or transfer. And most importantly, you're losing Max Duggan, the quarterback, who made all of this possible this season. And Garrett Riley, very understandably so, is cashing in on a historic season, a great job at the helm of this offense, and going to Clemson, where they just fired Brandon Streeter after one year as the OC there. Garrett Riley will take over. And now Garrett Riley, who is the hottest name in uh, assistance around the land, he won the Broyles Award for the best college assistant this season, takes over an offense that is in real need of an identity. They have Cade Klubnik, who's the five-star gunslinger from Austin Westlake here in Texas. Um, but it's a team that doesn't really have any standout weapons out wide. I believe Will Shipley's coming back, and their offensive line is is very solid. But the real question is, what can he do without big-time playmakers like Quentin Johnston and Tay Barber on the inside? Would love to know where you guys land on this. It seems like a home run hire for Clemson. I'm maybe not sold that he turns the whole ship around in in one year, but uh, what would you guys say to that? I think there's going to be a pretty big jump in one year, and that that just comes down to the fact that I think he runs the kind of offense that works in today's football. Obviously, I mean, TCU, story of college football this year. We're going to be talking about him for years. Um, Apparently, you know, Clemson, they were watching what happened in the national championship game, and they said, yeah, let me get a piece of that. Um, but you know, I, I don't know if that was exactly the thought process. Obviously, they had an awesome offense this year. They did some amazing things. Uh, just weren't quite up to snuff with what George is doing right now, obviously. But we we broke that out on the previous pod. Um, I do think this is going to be a really good move, ultimately, for Clemson. The, obviously, they have the young quarterback, Kate Klubnik, who's going to be you know the, the focal point of their program for the next couple of years at a minimum. Um, they have some good young talent, like you were saying, around him. I think they're going to be able to be a little bit of a transfer destination just to be around that offense. And, you know, maybe it's a little bit too late in this transfer window to see that happen. But I do think next transfer window, you see some guys maybe upset at their, um, their, you know, spring opportunities or the way coaches use them, or, you know, maybe they just want to get a little piece of that, you know, Clemson offense with Garrett Riley. I could see them, you know, maybe becoming a little bit of a transfer destination in that regard. I mean, you already kind of saw it at TCU. TCU was getting a lot of transfers coming in and some pretty high-profile names. I'm thinking JoJo Earl and uh, John Paul Richardson were the two big receivers that I saw that mm-hmm. decided to make their way to Fort Worth. <clears throat> you know, I kind of feel bad for them in terms of they probably came there with some idea that this was their situation they are getting into, and then all of a sudden, you know, we'll find a new coach, I guess. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I think – Ultimately, at the end of the day, Clemson needs something like this to kind of stay on top. We had already talked about it this last year. You know, maybe they were going to struggle to stay relevant. Obviously, that wasn't the case. They won their conference, but it wasn't as easy as it had been. And I think a lot of people, even around Clemson, would say, you know, this wasn't a particularly strong ACC. This wasn't a very particularly strong conference this year. There were some teams we thought were going to do really well that did not do very well at all. Um, And I think that especially in a year where you're going to see some of these programs surging, obviously Duke surging a little bit, Florida State having a fantastic year last year. They have a lot of players returning that they think they can, you know, make another run. They're going to need to be better in a hurry to stay on top of the ACC and to stay relevant nationally. So I think this is a that's a home run hire for them. Maybe year one, the program takes a minute to settle in. The offense takes a second to click. But with the amount of talent they have, and I think with Kay Klubnik at the helm, I think this could be a real slam dunk for them. More than anything, I think it shows that Dabo realizes there's a big problem. Um, that, that's that been one of the critiques on him is he's really slow in, to make staff moves and really, really loyal to his guys. If they don't get hired away, I think this is the first time he's fired a coordinator. 
at Clemson. A lot of that's been because they performed really well, but right. there was a lot of questions on whether or not he would stay loyal to his guys and maybe have those guys that he's loyal to go down with a sinking ship in the Clemson offense. But credit to him for making a big change, making a splash higher. It definitely shows that he sees there's a problem, right? The Clemson offense of the last two years, obviously you don't have Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson, but you know, you have the talent to make, have a serviceable offense. I don't think all of that can be explained away by not having a generational quarterback. Obviously having a generational quarterback helps, but man, like (laughs) the depths that that offense had fallen to is just insane. And so having him make this move shows to me, at least that he's serious about keeping Clemson, keeping the standard very, very high at Clemson. And he's not worried about loyalty. Like I think some in that fan base were starting to worry about. I agree. Uh, Trying to keep the band together, trying to, you know, I mean, I think there was honestly, I think there was a little bit of a worry uh, up there in Clemson that Dabo had a little Jerry Jones to him that keeping, keeping the staff together, uh, whether it was in good times or bad would kind of put more of the, the responsibility for success on his shoulders. And, you know, whether or not that is true, I think this is a home run higher. Now, one thing that a lot of people are wondering, especially down here in the South and in Texas where we are, why would Garrett Riley consider going to Clemson and make that move when Texas A&M had reportedly been breathing down his neck for the past month? And, you know, Trey, you and I were, were texting about this earlier today we really don't know that Garrett Riley ever truly considered going to A&M. And there's maybe a couple of very valid reasons for that. Yeah. I, I mean, if you're an A&M fan, that's just ticked off at this news. I know all of us really were excited about the possibility at one point of, you know, a Garrett Riley coming to college station. I know that's a big thing that the fan base was kicking around before Bobby Petrino was announced as the offensive coordinator. Some people even held out hope that that's why it took so long to announce a coordinator was they were waiting for TCU to play in the national championship. But I mean, personally, if I'm Garrett Riley and credit to Andy Staples for really laying this out in an awesome article on the athletic, it's uh, in his article where he's explaining why he thinks Petrino might be a pretty good hire for A&M checks and why he checks a lot of boxes for the Aggie program. He really laid out how a guy like Garrett Riley why would he hitch his wagon to Jimbo in a situation where if that goes south in a year, he's, you know, lost pretty much all of his reputation. He is looked at as one of those coaches maybe that had one great year with a great quarterback in Max Duggan, but can't necessarily get it done in every other year. So going to a place like A&M was a huge, huge risk for Garrett Riley. Personally, I if you're an AM fan that's ticked off of this news or wondering why you couldn't money whip Garrett Riley or why you probably got outbid by Clemson, I don't think you did. I really don't think that Garrett Riley was interested in taking Jimbo's phone call, personally. And I think Andy Staples in that article, he Garrett Riley was the only one that he mentioned by name, the only other candidate that he mentioned by name. And he kind of casually threw him in there. And I think that's because he was kind of insinuating that Hey, AM fans, I know this is someone in state that's torn it up this year. I know this is someone that you guys all wanted. It was never really going to happen. In my opinion, I think that's what he was insinuating. It makes a lot of sense, right? If you're Garrett Riley, go with Dabo right now. I think if you're trying to buy stock in a program, you'd rather buy stock in Clemson than AM, unless you're just really, really trying to buy low on AM and you still believe. But the risk was just way too much for me if I'm Garrett Riley to go to a and Well, I mean, realistically, what we just got finished talking about was the idea that Clemson was maybe in a little bit of a down year, maybe on their way down, and they put up a conference championship. Exactly. You know, like yeah. Dabo has way more skins on the wall than what Jimbo has right now. It's it's not even comparable in terms of what they have been able to accomplish, conference championships, national championships, you know, especially in the recent format, national championships. You know, Jimbo just hadn't done that. And, you know, if we're talking about, you know, good fortune, whatever else, like, yeah, who cares if you can, you know, 
get players. Maybe the roster at AM is better right now. I think according to the 24-7 composite it is. But who cares what you're working with there? You want to hitch yourself to a guy who's going to go off and succeed. And, you know, he has he has more goodwill with the fan base right now. I mean, Dabo has plenty of goodwill with the Clemson fan base. He's, you know, bringing it back. I know he's been a little bit cringy. I don't know if he's, you know, going to go the route of the, you know, hey, Garrett Riley is the prodigal son we're bringing home just because he has to find a way to Jesus juke everything. But, you know, I, it, it, if that's what he's going to do, that's fine. That's Dabo. That's his personality. But I also just kind of think, you know, Dabo, he's he's got way more goodwill with that fan base than what Jimbo currently has at A&M. And, you know, there's rumors of this, rumors of that. You only got your class because you money whipped them. $30 million, like we're talking about sliced bread. That's a lot of rumors and a lot of, you know, just not necessarily 100% bona fide, positive, solid ground. And I think, you know, if you're Garrett Riley, you're probably pretty smart to go ahead and say, I want to go to a national brand, but I want to go somewhere where it's solid. I think he would have made a move to a place like a, like a Michigan or an Ohio State or an Alabama or, you know, Georgia, obviously, but like somewhere like that where it's a national brand. But yeah, they're going to be relevant. They're going to stay relevant. They're going to stay up there. We don't know what AM has in them, right? They have the talent. They could certainly bounce back this year and, you know, with Petrino have a great year, but nothing guaranteed. Clemson's on their way up. The ACC also way more wide open than the SEC West. Uh, you know, Florida State is going to be the popular pick in the ACC this year. That's a pack, uh, a pick that I will be backing. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's one that I've been advocating for for a number of years now. Just give it yeah, time. Credit, credit you for holding on to that uh, penny stock there. Cause that's right. That's right. My <laughs> Knowles, my Knowles coin is through the roof right now. And, uh, and I'm not selling man. We're, we've got diamond hands. Um, all right, guys, well, let's move into our way, 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 way too early. 2023 top 25 rankings. We all went through, we made our individual list. Trey, you compiled them in a consensus ranking. We'll run through them five teams at a time, and, and we're not going to spend a ton of time here. We can make a graphic for this to, to put out on social media. So um, it, you know, if you don't want to listen to all of it, fine. Um, you'll find the graphic and get the complete list there. But want to dive through this one team, or I'm sorry, five teams at a time, just kind of cursory glance at what's a couple of these programs in each section might bring to the table. Guys, we have to start with the top five. Georgia, of course, will be number one, should be number one on, on everybody's board. They're number one on our board. You've got Michigan and Alabama that are tied for second in our rankings. Ohio State would come in at four, and USC would come in at number five. Garrett, give us just a very quick rationale for Georgia is number one. They're the back-to-back defending champs. And it's really kind of number one until proven otherwise. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you want rationale, um, turn on the tape from Monday night. They, um, they, I mean, just spanked TCU in the national championship game. It probably would have been a spanking for anybody. I mean, they they could have gone out there. We saw what they did to Michigan last year in the playoff. Um, obviously, Ohio State was a closer game where, you know, they didn't target a lot of guys, didn't play a particularly good game. Kirby was pissed in the aftermath of a game that they won against a very good team in Ohio State. So, you know, I just I think that the standard they set for this program is is too high. The fact that he was able to convince his team that they were all picked to go six and six or five and seven and somehow put a chip on the defending champion's shoulders. I mean, good job of coaching. I mean, he he yeah. got his guys in his locker room to buy in. Um, I don't know how he's going to do it this year, but you know, you got a Georgia team who's bringing back their best player in Brock Bowers. They're bringing back plenty on the defensive side. They will be losing some, you know, bona fide starters, but they did that last year and they still repeated as champions. Yeah. Um, their next quarterback is going to be a guy who didn't start as a walk on. That's not to trash Stetson Bennett, but the next quarterback will be more talented in terms of where they're starting their progression as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, Georgia should be number one for the foreseeable future. Um, I'll let them prove why they're not. For me, it's a number one until proven otherwise. If you are, if you have anybody other than Georgia in your number one spot in your way too early rankings, you're just going for clicks and uh, you're not being yeah. intellectually honest with yourself. That's all I have to say about Georgia. No, I, I agree. They're they're an impressive team, offensive, uh, offensively and defensively. I was just going to say, what's what's the opposite of rat poison, right? Like Nick Saban talks about. Uh, when when the media kind of hypes them up and tells them, oh, yeah, we're going to win the national championship or, you know, patting them on the back too hard. Apparently, 
Kirby Smart was going the other route saying, nobody believes in you guys. You lost 15 draft picks. It motivates him. Yeah, like what? I've never well, and, I've never I mean, heard of he that. Was, he was super aggressive in his pre. Y'all heard the leaked pregame, I'm yep. sure, by now. Yep. That, that was, I mean, it had me ready to run through a brick wall. That was intense. I was, I was sitting there like, oh, yeah, sure, just play football. Just go through it. And I can't say all those words on this podcast, obviously. But, yep. you know, it's it's – it's it was just crazy the way that he was able to galvanize the team. Kirby's a heck of a coach, um, and I, I think you have to say until the talent level falls off, until they don't have something proven, until you know Kirby forgets how to coach, you know they're going to be up there at the top. Michigan and Alabama are tied at second. I think right now, with so many players have decided to come back for Michigan, I think they're probably the more sure bet to be an elite team. And as crazy as that sounds to say it, Alabama will be looking for quite a bit. They're going to be looking for a whole lot on the defensive side of the ball. That secondary could be really young. Plus they're looking for their new quarterback and running back one. Jameer Gibbs is gone as well. So just a lot to replace for Alabama. And for the first time in a long time, guys, I don't know that Alabama has that QB one that's just ready in the pipeline. You know, we saw Jalen Milrow play this season. He's not, the typical quarterback that Alabama has grown used to seeing. So it'll be interesting to see what the Crimson Tide uh, produce in 2023. Ohio State checks in at number four. USC checks in at number five. Both teams have explosive offenses, even though Ohio State will be also looking for a new quarterback one. Our concern for both of those teams and what we feel like might limit their ceiling, though, on the defensive side of the ball Trey, uh, you know, both of these teams have shown the proclivity to put up 70 points in a game, but it's hard to win a national championship if you can't stop the opposition. Yeah, and I think, you know, Lincoln Riley has really hitched his wagon to Alex Grinch, and I know how you feel about that, Mitch. Uh, it's a tough but, decision. <laughs> you know, and you look at Ohio State, I think they have the at least the scheme in place to really be solid yeah. on defense, and I think they'll take a huge step forward um, next year in defense as they get more used to that uh, bowl scheme. But yeah, I don't know. USC really, really, I, that cotton bowl really has me down on them. I think <laughs> right. like, at least yeah. you and I saw them in person and just Tulane got whatever they wanted. They averaged like 10 yards of play yeah. over the course of that whole game. And it was just like, that's an American athletic team. And granted they're playing like their super bowl, but come on guys. Like we can't, we can't figure out a way to hold them under a, an average of a first down per play mm-hmm. um, over the course of that second half. So I don't know, like USC, all the talent in the world on offense, they're going to light up the scoreboard again, and it's probably going to get them back to the Pac-12 championship game. But just like we saw with Lincoln at Oklahoma, the ceiling after that is probably pretty low. Well, to your point, Trey, Tulane not exactly lighting up the scoreboard in terms of their passing numbers in that game. Um, I think their quarterback yeah, had like four completions going into the last drive of the game or something yeah, like that. Running it, was, it right down their throats. Yeah, just they run the dang ball. It. They knew it was coming to them. They just couldn't stop it. So they're going to have to find a way to play a lot better. I will say for Ohio State, I am a little bit more optimistic on their defensive side. I think I saw Eichenberg is coming back for them. So that's going to be a big uh, return for them. For me, for Ohio State, I want to put them up at the top because we saw how competitive they were with Georgia. Who's your quarterback? Right, that's my big question right now: is who's your quarterback? Cedar hasn't officially declared. I, that's coming, obviously. We all know that he's going to be a top five pick. Mm-hmm. Um, probably deserves to be top three, but I just think the way that the draft board falls, probably not. Um, and, and you know, they have that. Their offensive line is going to have some question marks. Obviously, plenty talented wide receivers. I'm just a little bit more concerned on how their offense is going to get clicking to start the year, and maybe just see some of those early games, how they mesh together, and if they can get the ball rolling quick enough for them to do that. So very talented team, just can't justify putting them higher right now. Florida State checks in at number six, Oregon at seven, Penn State at eight, Utah at nine, and Tennessee at ten. Now, guys, I am very, very high on Florida State. I've already tipped that. I think they're going to be my pick to win the ACC Uh, conference championship game really have a chance to make a college football playoff and yet I think both of you guys had them ranked higher than I did that's why they check in at six on our consensus ranking they've got a ton coming back Jordan Travis coming back Jared Verse the all-american edge rusher just declared that he's actually not going to the draft he's going to come back 
for another year. He was a top 20 player on a lot of draft experts, big boards, getting ready to, to kind of follow in uh, the, the, the footsteps of the edge rusher from last year. Um, and I'm blanking on his last name, Jermaine uh, Georgia transfer. Um, I'll find it in a second. Yeah, it's no, it's, essentially, yeah, yeah. yeah, just, just the same story run right back and yet versus coming back mm-hmm. that ACC is wide open. I think Florida state really has a chance to win 10, 11 games and get to Charlotte to play in that conference championship game. You guys are also really high on on Penn State. And there's a case to be made that if Michigan and Ohio State trip at all, you could see a scenario when Penn State makes it to Indianapolis. Garrett, talk through Penn State, what they're bringing in, especially with a new quarterback and Drew Aller taking over. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, the first place I start is they have – probably one of the best running back tandems coming back in the whole country. Um, they're, I mean, they were already so good in the running back room this year. We saw what they did in the Rose Bowl against Utah. I mean, they are plenty talented, but they're bringing back Drew Aller as their quarterback, and uh, he had some pretty significant reps this year. He, he played a decent amount and looked fantastic doing it. I mean, he's a good quarterback, and bringing back any amount of experience is always a good thing to bring back for quarterback. But when you look around at the at the Big Ten, you kind of think, Okay, well, what were we saying this year about the Big Ten? You know, how some teams were built. We talked about Michigan being built to beat, you know, Ohio State, and that ended up, you know, coming to fruition. We said they're built to run the ball. They're built to be physical. They play good defense, right? They know how to kind of possess. They're kind of the antithesis to what Ohio State wants to do. That's going to be true for Penn State this next year. And I think the big difference is I think their quarterback situation is going to be a little bit better. I do like McCarthy at Michigan, but – you know, I, I think Aller is more talented and I think he has a higher ceiling. And I think that, you know, if they can figure out some talent on the on the outside with their receivers, if they can figure out how to get a couple guys in there who I think can be difference makers. Um, I, watch out, man. Penn State, they could they could really do something next year. Well, and I think just the way that the Big Twin, I mean, we joke about it with Michigan and Ohio State all the time, but their floor is probably nine wins. Right. And in any given year. I know that their right. big non-conference game last year was Auburn. I can't remember off the top of my head if they have a big one this year against a difficult team. But, yeah, it, it, their floor is probably nine wins. And anytime that's your floor, it's probably going to make me rank you pretty high. I feel a little dirty doing it because I'm just never impressed with the way that Penn State gets to their gaudy records. But, hey, they're going to get there, so you might as well start them high, right? Their big out of conference is West Virginia this year. There you go. The floor <laughs> so, is probably ten wins you know. then, and if they steal one from Michigan or Ohio State, it's just great. Yep. It, it feels like their floor is is the Rose Bowl again, right? I mean, if they're not making the college football playoff, the Rose Bowl is a very real possibility. Basically, well, I say basically every year we're we're going to a twelve team format in twenty twenty four. But uh, if we were to stay in this format, it would be the Rose Bowl right now with how they're directing traffic out there in Happy Valley. I think they're an at-large bid contender every single year. And if you're Absolutely. if you're Penn State and James Franklin, especially considering the fact that you share a, a division with two of the top five teams on an annual basis in college football, it's a pretty good place to be sitting. Uh, LSU checks in at 11. We've got Washington at 12, Notre Dame at 13, TCU all the way down at 14, and Clemson comes in at 15. I think it's pretty clear why we've placed TCU all the way down there at 14. I I talked about this off the top of the show. They are losing half their roster, including QB1, and now an offensive coordinator. Year two under Sonny Dykes is going to be a prove-it campaign to kind of show the nation, hey, this wasn't just a fluke. This wasn't a Disney story. TCU has legitimate staying power. What I'm really interested in is Washington sitting at number 12 and Notre Dame sitting at 13. Both teams have really good quarterbacks in 2023. Michael Penix Jr. is coming back for Washington. He was FBS's leader in passing yards this season. Plus, that defense was sneaky good. They were only kept out of the Pac-12 championship game by virtue of a tiebreaker. I think 2022 could be the year of the Husky I don't know if I'm too high on them or, or not, but tell you what, the purple and gold's looking pretty good this next season. 
We could have a full-on Pac-12 renaissance next year. We're talking USC, Oregon, Washington. I don't. I personally don't think UCLA is going to take too big of a step back. And you've got so many other storylines like Oregon State, Colorado with Coach Prime. Like, we're going to have to stay up past our bedtime a little bit, fellas. Like, sure. it's going to yeah. be some interesting football out west next year. Um, Washington's going to be right at the center of that, though. I would not be shocked at all if they're right in the middle of the playoff discussion. Um, as we go into November and late November, I, I'd be really, really surprised if they're not in that discussion, frankly, because Michael Penix Jr. has a chance to be one of, if not the best quarterbacks in college football next year. If you're talking about looking for someone to carry their team like Max Duggan did, that could be Michael Penix Jr. next year. Yeah, some hurdles to overcome for sure. But, I mean, it, you have your returning quarterback. He's plenty talented. Um, and, you know, they've already proven that they can beat some of these teams. They were plenty competitive this year. Like you were saying, Mitch, they just didn't get the tiebreaker. So, um, you know, I think a little bit of a better luck, a little bit, you know, let the ball bounce a little bit different for you. And, you know, we could have seen, you know, uh, an actual, you know, I mean, dare we say like a, if Washington pulled this off, we could have gotten Washington in the Rose Bowl this year, you know, if they had found a way to their championship game and then won. So, you know, I just, I think, you know, Washington has a real chance to do something special next year. Um, maybe a little bit of question marks as far as the talent around Penix and some of the, the playmakers around him and if they'll be able to keep things up for another year. But lots to be excited about for sure. They've got their top receiver coming back, uh, so he's going to have his favorite weapon. And that defense, again, I, I really think they were kind of under – good defense. Yeah, un, unsung heroes of this past season. Year one under Kalen DeBoer was a resounding success. I'm excited to see if he can avoid that sophomore slump in year two, uh, Notre Dame should be about this group real quick. I don't know if you're about to move on Mitch, but I think we might have Clemson a little bit too low now that their offense might get sort of, I personally would probably put them a little bit higher. Where do you guys stand on that? I think they're kind of appropriately ranked. I mean, look, that team couldn't do anything this year. It was Will Shipley or bust. And look, as talented as Cade Klubnik is, He's got to earn it. I mean, I, I, we're yeah. not in the we should not be in the business. The industry is, but we should not be in the business of just handing accolades, handing rankings out because you have a certain amount of stars next to your name. Um, and you know, I mean, look, it's not fair to judge Cade off of what happened this year because he came in in some tough circumstances. He obviously his only start comes in the Orange Bowl when they kind of get manhandled by Tennessee. So I don't think that's an appropriate sample size to judge him positively or negatively. And so for, for me, I look at a team that, yeah, is way more talented than the vast majority of college football. They probably have a top 10 roster. That being said though, they've got to earn their ranking. So, you know, for me, I pushed them down my board just because I was not impressed with what that team did. That defense was not nearly as good as, as what we were told it was going to be at the beginning of this year. Yeah, well, and there's a reason why this is a way too early ranking. Obviously, you know, <laughs> depending on you know what they do in the transfer portal now that Garrett Riley's there, I could see this being a big deal for them. Right, you get a couple big transfer wide receivers to go with, you know, Cade Klubnik and you know Shipley back there, and all of a sudden you got an offense that's humming and you know new scheme and everything else. And it doesn't matter that the defense wasn't that good; they're going to score fifty every game. You know, I I, I have no idea how it's going to work out for them. I think right now, based on what we saw. Based on some real optimism for next year, I think that 15 is you know just fine for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I might be tempted to scoot them up a little bit just because of the coach, and I do think we will see a bump and you know some surge there. But you know, right now there's nothing set in stone, so we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't move them into the top 10 or anything, but maybe no. a little bit of a bump up. And I'm sure Clemson will get plenty of a bump again. Yeah, like Garrett said, way too early. Top 25, uh, tw- yeah, top 25 for 2023. This will change probably a million times going forward into the season. But rest assured, Clemson, I would be shocked if, according to the media poll, the AP, whoever, um, Clemson's not a top 10 team heading into next year, right? I mean, they're a brand name. The hype around them is real. The yeah. AP doesn't watch college football anyway, so they rank it by brand. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're going to need, you know, top 10 matchups for TV and everything else. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Notre Dame should also be kind of spicy as well. Scott, uh, I'm sorry, Scott Hartman, um, Sam, Sam Hartman. Sam, Sam Hartman. I don't know why I want to call him Scott. Sam Hartman is now the quarterback <laughs> at Notre Dame. I think he's really going to elevate what they can do on offense. 
16, and I was delighted to see this team check in at number 16. The little old Texas Tech Red Raiders, baby. Joey Mack got the guns up out in West Texas. They check in at number 16. Wisconsin and Oregon State tie at 17 in our consensus rankings. Texas comes in at 19, and Kansas State is at number 20. I mean, raise your hand if you want to talk about the Red Raiders. I love what's going on in West Texas, and there is a a staying power vibe inside the top 25 to what Joey McGuire is doing out there uh, down I-30. Yeah, this is a full-on vibe ranking uh, because the vibes are immaculate in Lubbock right now. And yeah, yeah, you're right. I think it has staying power, especially as we transition into, as we've talked about, the wild and wacky new Big 12 that we're going to see. We still don't have a conference schedule um, out for the Big 12 yet for next year, so it's kind of hard to rank these teams because we don't even know who they're playing right. for the vast majority of their schedule. But, you know, if I can make a bold claim, my first bold claim of the off season, Texas Tech's going to be in Arlington next December, y'all. They're going to be one of the Whoa! top teams hey in now. the conference. Hey now. And they're going to take advantage of some teams that are kind of starting to trend down a little bit. I don't think Oklahoma State's going to be as good next year. don't think Kansas State's going to be as good next year. You guys disagree with me on that one. But... I think TCU is going to take a big step back. Texas, who knows if they can get it together. Give me that consistency, man. I'm going to take Texas Tech yeah. right now on January 12th, 2023. In 11 months, they will be playing a football game in Arlington for a Big 12 title. <laughs> well, I mean, the last that we saw these guys, they were lighting up you know, Lane Kiffin and his squad down in Houston. So you know, that's not a bad football team that they're playing against, but they played pretty physical on defense. Obviously, the special teams touchdown was kind of fun to watch, too. But, yeah, it's just a good football team. It's a lot of fun to watch them. And, you know, they came up with some big upsets this year. They had some inconsistency with the quarterback and injuries and up and down. Or else they might have had a little bit of a better year this year, too. But I'm excited to see what they can do with some consistency at quarterback and, uh, you know, maybe get some more talent in there and see what they can do. Now, it is worth noting that if, if some of you are listening to this, you maybe bleed a, a certain color of orange and you're going, how in the world – is Texas Tech ranked ahead of the Longhorns of Texas? They uh, beat you this year. So why are you asking that well, question? <laughs> listen, we don't we don't ever criticize people for asking questions. Uh, as as one teacher so eloquently put it, there are no dumb questions, just dumb people. Um, and so I, I think one of y'all didn't have Texas ranked. Raise your hand if that was if that was you. It wasn't me. I had him ranked nineteenth. I thought, yeah, I had not rank 21. Okay, okay, maybe I just missed it. I thought one of y'all didn't have them ranked. Um, I think Texas is going to be the best team in the Big 12 next season, and that is a huge roll of the dice. And I'll tell you what, if you're Texas fans, you hate that I'm saying that because I can't figure out the Longhorns on a week-to-week basis. Against the spread, it feels like I've picked Texas correctly once in the last three seasons. I mean, whenever I expect you to win (laughs) – you lose when I expect you to, to finally, okay, this is the time when, nope, they're not going to hang around and win. You, you win by 14. So um, I do expect Texas to take a step forward. I just think they have too much talent to not. I, I really believe that eventually the talent and the offensive game plan is just going to be too much for them to stay out of Arlington. Um, that defense is getting a lot better. Pete Kwiatkowski, Listen, a lot of people complain about him on a week-to-week basis, but that defense is trending in the right direction. I will say, very interesting to see what happens offensively now that Brandon Marion, the uh, passing game coordinator, left Texas. He went out to UNLV when Bobby Petrino came to Texas A&M to take that offensive coordinator spot. So the Longhorns replacing, yes, a support staff member, but talk to people who are intimately familiar with that program and look at the players' reactions when he left to take the job with the running Rebs. A lot of disappointment. So that it, that is a loss that they have to field. Um, I'm still high on the Longhorns uh, as we sit here in, in mid-January. See, I agree with almost everything you just said. My only concerns with Texas for this next year, right? I think they have good guys in place, talent, all that stuff like that. How the heck are you gonna place or how the heck are you gonna replace B. John Robinson? Sure. That's that's not a small thing. That's not, you know, we're not gonna act like, you know, a freshman five star is gonna come in and be exactly who Bijan was, mm-hmm. right? That's not 
realistic. He's plenty talented. The uh, Baxter, I think, is his yeah, name. But he's he's plenty talented, and he may even start at some point this season. I don't think it's fair to expect him to be Bijan Robinson. He was so much of their offense this year. So much of their offense ran through him. Um, and I, I just don't think it's realistic to expect that. And I still, I don't know who Quinn Ewers is. And he may not be the guy that ends up playing. Maybe, you know, the other perfectly rated high school kid is, you know, the guy who's going to come in and save the day. Um, <clears throat> it kind of seems like we do this talk every year with Texas is, well, no, but this new quarterback is going to be the savior. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'll wait and see until I think that they fix the quarterback position. I'm not entirely sure that they have yet. Um, <clears throat> look, Quinn can play. He can he can win. He's plenty good. He just, I don't know which Quinn I'm getting every week. He hasn't been consistent. And I just, you know, I, I think I need to see him be good on a week in a week out basis before I can bump them up any higher. Yeah. Sark hasn't earned a preseason top 15 ranking in my book. He, as a coach has not earned that, especially at Texas. So until he shows me that he can translate that talent, and you could say the same thing about the last three coaches at Texas. When you show that you can take all the talent advantages that you have in the Big 12 and convert it to wins, I will rank you higher in my preseason top 25. But we have not done that since Matt Brown was roaming the sidelines consistently. Wisconsin might throw for all the yards this year as I'm they transition. So about Wisconsin this year. Yeah. Right. As they, they transition to the air raid, they ju- they've gotten three transfer quarterbacks in the past two weeks. They also just got C.J. Williams, who transfers – from uh, USC, the wide receiver, talented wide receiver that we watched play in Arlington. That offense under Phil Longo is about to get really, really fun. Um, Oregon State as well, DJ Uyunglele takes over at QB1. What does he do up in Corvallis? How does that defense continue to progress? Jonathan Smith's got that boat pointed in the right direction as well. Did y'all uh, see Braylon Allen's tweet today? He said he was so excited to not run into nine-man boxes anymore. And I just <laughs> love that for him. Like, he is so excited to be playing yeah. this new offense. He can play modern football. Yeah, and I think, you know, he's such a Wisconsin-style running back. But the fact that he's excited to play in an air raid offense, and he didn't transfer, right? Like, he no. was in yeah. the transfer portal, then took his name out, and he's excited to come back and play in a new look offense. I think that's, yeah, I'm super excited about Wisconsin. Uh, final five, South Carolina, North Carolina, Ole Miss, Mississippi state, and UTSA meep meep. UTSA comes in at number 25 for us. Uh, now y'all are higher on South Carolina than I am. Uh, in fact, in my rankings, I do not have them ranked. I have them as one of the teams that just missed, and they're a little bit farther down even that list that I wrote out. The case against the Gamecocks has nothing to do with the coaching staff, has nothing to do with Shane Beamer, has nothing to do with the support staff around him. It's the fact that everybody's transferred out, other than Spencer Rattler, who has decided that he's coming back. I think he decided that yesterday formally. Everybody else, it seems like, is making a mass exodus for Columbia. And, and for the life of me, I can't figure it out. It, it seems like the culture there is really good. They had a very good season. They way overperformed a lot of people's expectations. Uh, they beat Texas A&M for the first time ever. They beat Clemson and steal their playoff bid. They did so many good things uh, outside of finishing that bowl game against Notre Dame. And yet, it's it's been truly a rush to the portal. Jordan Birch uh, is probably the highest profile player, former five star edge rusher who just committed to Oregon. I'd love to hear from you guys. What what keeps the Gamecocks so high in your rankings? The reason I think they deserve to be up there is because all these players who we were talking about were not names last year. Their their coaches got the best out of their players. They knew how to win with their guys, right? And it's. Uh, I, I'm sure that they're going to get some transfers in. I'm sure that they're going to get some guys who want to come play for the system. And, you know, for whatever it is, they know how to get their guys ready for a Saturday of football, right? They they come out hot. You know, you mentioned they beat AM for the first time ever. They came out, returned the kick for a touchdown. And then, you know, a couple plays later, they kick it off. And there's an interception return that gets, you know, you know down to the 10. And they kick that one. And then there's a another one that gets fumbled and then, you know, they look up at 17, nothing in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. They're ready to play. I mean, they put up, you know, just what 66, I think was the number they put up on Tennessee, like something yeah. absurd like that. They, I mean, 
they know how to play the game. And with Spencer Rattler coming back, you get experience at quarterback. I, I'm not the biggest Spencer Rattler fan. I don't think he's necessarily prolific, but you get experience coming back at quarterback and plenty of arm talent. I will take that, you know, nine times out of 10 if I'm a college program. Yeah, and all Shane Beamer's done since he's got to Columbia is exceed expectations, right? He goes to a bowl game and wins it in year one when they were expected to win, I think, like three games. And then this year they took a huge step forward, um, winning as much as they did this year. So I think year three of Shane Beamer could be really exciting in Columbia. They do, as always, have a tough schedule. And the SEC East is getting tougher by the year. But I think they're firmly solidified in that number three spot. And depending on how Joe Milton looks at Tennessee and how that defense evolves in 2023 they could challenge for that number two spot behind georgia i think i mean they beat tennessee this year and i don't think that there's it's out of the question to see them do that again you've got north carolina at 22 in our consensus ranking straight may is going to throw for a lot of yards we'll see what that defense looks like they lost a couple of transfers i think they lost their top three cornerbacks from this yeah, past roster like might so be addition by subtraction uh, <laughs> if you look at the stats this year. Yeah, well, yeah, they've got a, they've got a lot to figure out there in Chapel Hill. The Mississippi schools, Ole Miss, Miss State, check in, uh, as I mentioned, tied for 23rd. I think, again, both of those offenses should be really good. Um, Will Rogers is coming back for Mississippi State. What does Ole Miss get out of Jackson Dart? Uh, is that passing game going to be any more lethal? It was really the running game that got the Rebs uh, through the, the first half of that season before they just collapsed down the stretch. And in my biggest question, does Lane Kiffin get the most out of his team for 12 games plus whatever postseason they might be in? Because, you know, for, through the first eight weeks, this team looked like a real SEC West contender, and then they just wet the bed. Uh, I mean, you watched as adversity hit them on the field, their players quit on and off the field. And it was not a good look for Lane Kiffin, who can't stay off Twitter. Um, so, you know, I've got them ranked in my top 25 because I think they're a top 25 talented team right now. I'm curious to see how this team and this roster comes together for 2023. But, you know, there are certain programs that you just kind of discount and you're not willing to give the benefit of the doubt. Ole Miss is one of those programs for me because, my goodness, like when things go south, it goes south. And I say Ole Miss. Any program that Lane Kiffin is the head coach of, it just happens to be Ole Miss. When things go south, it goes south in a hurry. Well, and my big question for Ole Miss just has to do with Quinshawn Jenkins and what's going to happen now that teams are going to spend an entire offseason figuring out how to key in on him and sure. what they want to do with him. Um, you know, I, I think he's plenty talented to stay good. Can he repeat his numbers? That's a big question for me. Yeah, I do not have Ole Miss in my preseason, uh, way too early top 25 because. Yeah, like you said, Mitch, I'm just not confident in Lane Kiffin's ability to close out a season. So mm -hmm. I'm looking at all the teams I could have put in, put them in over. My, the back end of my top 25, I had UCLA, Oregon State, and UTSA. And I like those teams' ability to close out over the back half of the season more than Ole Miss right now. Mm-hmm. Totally fair. Totally fair. Yeah. Uh, UTSA checks in at number 25. Frank the Tank is back. Excited to see what Frank Harris can do in San Antonio. A couple of names that that we left off uh, our list that did not make it in the consensus rankings for me. Iowa checks in at number 21 in my rankings. And I'll tell you why. Caden McNamara is not going to light the world on fire. But guys, all Iowa has to do is score more than 14 points a game and they win. That's not that much of, no. of an asking price. And I think that McNamara, with a decent running game, can get there. That defense is going to stay very, very solid. So, you know, look, laugh at the Hawkeyes and their generationally poor offense all you want. I think there's a lot of legitimacy behind this team because it's so dependent on the defense. All you need is a quarterback to run whatever Brian Ferentz calls his offense. And I think that they can be a top 25 team. Does that really mean that they're one of the best total teams in the country? No, but they're going to win football games if they can put that together. Uh, we did Mitch not rank Iowa as a darling in 2023. Just going to well, write listen, listen, listen. We'll, we'll, we'll look at some literature. All right. We'll, we'll see where the over under I mean, comes in and um, you know, we'll, we'll see. 
Look, there's um, something to be said for a quarterback who's started a playoff game. Yeah, it's fair. It's very, it's very fair. It's very fair. So I'm, I'm little, too well. Don't look at the stat line, but he started a playoff. He made game. it there. Hey, we right. made it here. Uh, he's he's got the LinkedIn badge to prove it. Uh, Tulane, Tulane. Now I know this was a Cinderella season, and they're losing a lot. To Jay Spears, gone to the NFL. That's huge. They return Michael Pratt, their quarterback, plus eight other All American players, All American Conference players. Um, I think that's worth something in the AAC. I think that's it's really going to to take them a long way. Will it be another Cotton Bowl year? Probably not. Numbers don't favor them, but I think we got to give them just a little bit of respect. Personally, uh, teams that just m- missed in my personal rankings: Mississippi State, UCLA, North Carolina State, South Carolina, Texas A&M, and Oklahoma. Any other uh, teams other than those that, that missed your personal top twenty-five rankings? I'll throw one in that I had in my preseason or my uh, top 20 that didn't make our consensus NC state, man. I I think, you know, Brennan Armstrong is going to transfer in from Virginia. Brennan Armstrong is going to get to play with a defense on the other side of the ball for the first time. NC state is bringing back yet again, a lot of talent on defense. So their defense isn't going anywhere that led them. I know they had a disappointing season with all the injuries to, Devin Leary and a couple other key guys, but the Wolfpack, I'm, I'm not as high on them as I was this past off season where I thought they could win the ACC and maybe sneak into the playoff. But yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're still going to have a really solid season in 2023. Yeah. A couple teams that I think, and this is going to sound weird to say, but you know, how about Duke and Kansas? How about just a couple teams that I think have a real chance? Obviously Kansas, the wheels kind of came off towards the end of the season, but you know, they still played a heck of a bowl game against Arkansas, played a really, really good competitive game there. They got a lot of pieces coming back. And I think a more serious candidate, Duke, they got everything coming back just about. They, they haven't lost a whole bunch. Their quarterback, Riley Leonard, obviously he was the leader in, uh, or I think he was the second most uh, rushing touchdowns from a quarterback this year. They can score plenty fine. Elko did a great job this year. I'm really curious to see what they can do. That ACC is wide open. Everyone wants to talk about these other teams. Why not Duke? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Notable teams that missed our top 25 when you look back at rankings from a season ago, Texas A&M, Arkansas, Miami, all nowhere to be seen in the consensus rankings. Um, you know, Trey, I know you you think that there's a case to be made that Texas A&M can be a fringe top 25 team. Garrett and I – Maybe want to see them win a game or two to start the season. But I think the fact that, you know, really you can have a discussion about about Texas A&M. You can have a discussion about Miami. I don't think you can have a discussion about Arkansas. Not only did they underperform this season, they lost so much Mm -hmm. to the transfer portal as well. Sure, they've got K.J. Jefferson coming back for his 11th season as a college football player. (laughs) But defensively, that defense did not – achieve expectations and i think there's a whole lot of questions about what kendall bryles can do in this offense in in 2023 he got a little bit predictable to be quite honest down the stretch and it's how a lot of teams ended up beating them it's just fascinating to watch how this sport turns over from year to year yeah arkansas is going to be an interesting case study next year because sam Pittman's one of those guys that had one really really good year and we're still kind of waiting for that encore performance. And even that really good year was kind of ballooned up by some early season wins against teams that didn't pan out to what we thought they were. They, he beat Texas and A&M in 2021, and neither team really looked elite by the end of the season. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's going to be an interesting year for Sam Pittman. I think it could be a career in Fayetteville defining year for Sam Pittman. If he can bounce back, get them to eight or nine wins. And I think all of a sudden you're really looking towards a bright future for him in Fayetteville. If it's another six and six or seven and five year. I think you start to see some people start asking some questions. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, they're going to have to figure out how to be a little bit more creative on the offensive side as well, beside just quarterback plunge with a five wide set. You know, it's <laughs> when you're running quarterback plunge with a jump from the three yard line, it's, I mean, figure something else out on the offensive side. The game has evolved. KJ um, Jefferson is really fun to watch, but I don't think I want is. the ball. In, I don't think I want the ball in his hands if I'm down seven in the fourth quarter. I think there's about yeah 
20 guys in college football at least that I would pick over. Yeah, probably more than that even. I mean, he's he's fine, but, I mean, there's a reason that bowl game got so fun, and it's just because Kansas came back and he couldn't keep the ball moving long enough to keep the points up. I mean, what did they score, like, you know, 50 unanswered points? I mean, obviously it wasn't that many, but it was a whole bunch of unanswered points in that bowl game, and I, I think that has a lot to do with the lack of offensive production for guys like Katie Jefferson in Arkansas. And there's, I mean, no case in my mind to be had for either A&M or Miami. You, you know, loads of hype, loads of NIL. You can bring in players. You can do whatever you want to do. Can't win games for some reason. Just, you know, prove to me that either of these teams can win games, and then we can start talking about, you know, preseason expectations or, you know, making a bowl game or something like that. Well, guys, we've got, what, seven more months at least to – hash rehash relist everything that we've talked about tonight i'm excited for it we got a lot of content planned coming in this off season uh let us know if there are segment ideas if there are aspects of your team that you would like covered if you got questions for us you can always dm us at three tech pod instagram twitter over on youtube as well uh, that's where you'll find all of this content and more uploaded to on a daily basis For Trey Reeves, Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for tuning in tonight. Until next time, so long, everybody.